Praise God. Let's return to John 15 and let's just remind ourselves of some things that the Holy Spirit spoke to us this morning. We were looking at the importance of the fruit of our prayers and raising our our confidence in our prayers being answered in recognizing that God desires for us to have a confidence that when we pray we're praying in line with the will of God and therefore we know we will have the result of what we're praying because we know God already wants us to have this or he has led us to pray about that in a specific way. John 15, 1, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Would you say more fruit? Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit. Say that. Bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein or in this, in what? You asking what you will and it being done unto you as a result of your abiding in me and my word abiding in you. In that my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. Where's my fruit? I'm abiding in him. His words are abiding in me. I'm asking and the Father's doing what I'm asking. Well, I'm asking out of my place, my position in Him. I'm asking out of this interaction that I'm having with Him and His Word. Hallelujah. Much fruit glorifies the Father. Hallelujah. He wants us to be accurate. Now let's go back to... 1 John chapter 5 and look at verse 14. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we don't have this, I don't want you to be under condemnation, but I do want you to set yourself a goal. If you don't have this confidence, be determined to achieve it. Be determined to grow spiritually to the place that this confidence is active and operative in your life. This is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything 
according to his will, he hears us. That's a confidence that God desires for every one of his children to have intact. The confidence that if I ask according to his will, he hears me. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. It is not supposed to be a question mark when we leave from our conversation with God. It's not supposed to be wait and see. It is supposed to be certain. I asked in line with God's word. I asked in line with the desire that he has developed in me from my time in his word. I'm asking in line with his will. I know I have it. That's why we want to fellowship with the word. We want to develop a, a, a relationship with the word of God that we embrace the word, that we eagerly, we, we train our, ourselves not to skip through the things we've highlighted, like we're scrolling through a Facebook page. But no, 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 we want, we want to hear through his word what he wants to say to us. And we recognize this is God speaking to me. This isn't a book about God. This word is alive. This word is a living word. Jesus is the word made flesh. We think of Jesus in his humanity because today he is in the form of a a man with flesh and bone. His blood is poured out on the mercy seat, but he is a resurrected man in a glorified body. But before he came into the earth and before he said the words, a body you have prepared for me, he existed as the second person of the Godhead, the Word made flesh, the Word of God. With God, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The Word made flesh, And dwelt among us. Before he was made flesh. He existed as the word. He's still the word today. He is still upholding all things. By the word of his power. He is still the one on the white horse. With the sword of the spirit in his mouth. He is still the word in my heart. Hallelujah. And so when I am fellowshipping with the word. I'm fellowshipping with Jesus. And if I say Jesus is Lord, then I obey what his word says because I can't say Jesus is Lord and disregard his instruction. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you won't obey? You won't do what I say. You won't act on my word. Hallelujah. Hearers only deceive themselves. James chapter 1 says, But those who are hearers and doers of the word will be blessed in their doing of the word. Hallelujah. So this is the interaction that we're having with the word so that the word of God is able to be a participant in our conversation with God. The word of God helping us communicate with God and helping us ask 
and receive and the word of God developing in us the right picture of victory, the right picture of protection, the right picture of, of increase, the right picture of health. I mean, just the commercials on TV will have people thinking about sickness. They, they're all the time saying, do you have this symptom? Why? Because they're trying to sell you the pharmaceutical drug to that symptom. Do you have this symptom? Do you have this? I mean, I'd never heard of restless leg syndrome till a commercial told me about it. I'm like, what is restless leg syndrome? What? What are you talking about? But that commercial. And what is it doing? It's, it's trying to build an image that the older you get, the weaker you get. Not in the Word. That's not the image the Word is giving me. He renews my youth. I may increase in age, but I don't have to get old. Hallelujah. And I don't have to be sick to die either. I don't have to be sick another day in my life. Why? Because he's placed enough healing in my covenant. I can be healed every day for the rest of my life. But I've got to get the picture and I've got to put it in my heart so that I can walk it out. I've got to have this confidence that comes from the word. It comes from this recognition that I am praying. And so instead of praying the situation, we come at prayer from a different angle. So here's what we don't do. We don't pray in response to what the news says. We don't go to the news and get our prayer points. We go to the word and we're praying from the answer about the problem. We're not praying the problem to try to get an answer. Here's the answer. Here's the victory. And so the confidence is something that we need to be honest with ourselves. Do I have that kind of confidence in the prayers that I pray? Because your pastors aren't here to do all your praying for you. We will join our faith with you. And one of the most important things that we can do is help you learn how to pray and pray effectively. And then you can bring your prayer supply to the plan of God for our church as well as what you are experiencing in the victories in your personal life. That's the plan of God. Not that everybody comes and say, well, I need pastor to pray about that because he's the only one that can get an answer. No, we can all get answers if we'll do the same thing pastor does. And there are some things that need your authority to engage them. There are some areas that pastor can agree but not gain the same place of authority that you could about your situation. I can pray for your children. Y'all could pray for my children, but y'all can't pray the way I can pray for them because I stand in a place in their life that gives me a, a position of authority in that prayer. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Confidence that we have in Him that if we ask, He hears, and whatever we ask, we know that we have. 
we know that he hears us. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know. The Weiss translation says, with settled and absolute knowledge. With settled and absolute knowledge. We know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted as our present possession the request we have made of him. Hallelujah. Which is Mark 11. That's exactly what Mark 11 is saying. We know we have. We believe we receive. When? When we see it? When we feel it? No, when we pray, before there's ever any evidence of change, we take possession of the answer in prayer because we're applying faith. Hallelujah. This is the confidence. Confidence is a way to describe faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the certainty, the title deed of things not seen. I don't see it, but I have it. Well, you got to prove it to me. I, I can prove it by Hebrews 11. I can prove it by Mark 11. I, I don't have to have physical evidence to prove that I have what God said. Because, again, the spiritual evidence holds a higher position of authority than the natural evidence. We do not look at things which are seen, but things which are unseen. That's when the word is working. That's when it's working for us a, a heavier weight of glory, a greater weight of glory. Why? I'm looking at what I can't see. How do you look at what you can't see? Faith sees. Faith isn't blind. Faith isn't a, a leap. Faith isn't a blind leap. Faith isn't, isn't holding on till the going on comes on. Faith isn't tying the knot at the end of the rope. Faith sees. Faith has certainty with it. Faith can see things that eyes can't see. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life, but I've never seen it with these eyes. But I know my name is in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. So faith sees. And faith sees that we have whatever we ask, because we've asked according to his will, he hears me, and we know if he hears me, we have the petition. So from that point on, we're rejoicing. Let's go to Ephesians 6, and, and let's find out another tool in building this confidence. So number one, we saw from Jesus teaching us in John 15 that the word abiding in us is a key. And then uh, we see from 1 John chapter 5 that we have um, faith employed in this, that confidence, that, that certainty. In Ephesians chapter 6, let's look again at verse 18. Now, remember... The Apostle Paul has just went through and by the Holy Spirit used the example of a Roman soldier's uniform and equipment, his armor, to describe what we have. He described righteousness as something that protects, 
the organs, the, the breastplate of righteousness. So righteousness is an equipping that we have. The helmet, he described salvation as a helmet. Salvation is, is what covers our mind from the attacks of the enemy. Our, our uh, uh, protection in the knowledge of who we are in Christ. Amen? So it goes through all of these different, and it's also in that text prior to verse 18, reminding us we can stand against anything the devil throws our way. We can stand victorious against all the wiles of the devil. Any strategy, any attempt, any, any sneaky thing he tries to bring into our life, we can stand against it with the equipping of God, with this spiritual equipment, this spiritual armor, this spiritual, if we'll put it on, take unto you, it says. Take unto you. Uh, our responsibility is to take our righteousness, to take our salvation, to take the gospel of peace, to take the shield of faith, and take the helmet of salvation, and take the sword of the Spirit. That's our part. We've got to take it. Hallelujah. And then with all of this equipping, with all of our stand in this position, we're equipped and ready to pray. Verse 18, he says, praying always with all prayer. And we looked this morning and we saw that means all manner of prayer, all types of prayer. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So he says, Praying all types of prayers, not just the prayer of faith, but also the prayer of intercession, the prayer of, of praise and worship, the prayer of consecration, the prayer of the united prayer, the prayer of agreement. There are different applications for each of these prayers and different times that one prayer might be more effective than the other. And I gave you this morning an example of how in the past I have used a butter knife to do things butter knives were not built to do. I've hammered nails in the wall and hung pictures with my butter knife because I hadn't unpacked the hammer yet. Right? I've, I've tried to screw Phillips head screws in. Now you can do pretty good on, the flat, on that, that flat head, but if you try to do a Phillips head screw with a, a butter knife, a steak knife will actually work better. <laughs> but you know what's better than both? A screwdriver, a Phillips head screwdriver, not the flathead screwdriver either. If you want the Phillips head screw, use the Phillips head screwdriver. And so if everybody's trying to fix everything with the prayer of faith, they're going to encounter some things that they just can't claim because other people's wills are involved. Other people are making decisions that are going to affect it. So there are other ways we need the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he said, praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In the Spirit. So we pray by means of the Spirit. We take the Word with us into prayer and we 
we invite the Holy Spirit to help us in our praying. Now, this morning, we looked at some scriptures that were Holy Spirit-inspired scriptures because we want to recognize that praying, when it says praying and, and making supplication in the Spirit, it can mean praying in tongues, but it's not limited to praying in tongues. And so we looked at some scriptures. We looked at Ephesians chapter 1, the prayer that was given to the Apostle Paul by the inspiration of the Spirit. And we know that because it made it to scripture. And all scripture is inspired by God. So here we have this prayer in Ephesians 1. We have one in Ephesians chapter 3. We have another one. I read those two this morning. I encourage you to go back and listen to the message from this morning on our YouTube channel or, or the podcast. Let's look over at um, Philippians chapter 1 and let's read a, another couple. These are a little bit shorter than the others that we looked at this morning. Philippians chapter 1. I pray this for you often. This is one that I, I, I pray from the Ephesians 1 and the Ephesians 3 as well. But this one is one that I have on, on uh, I, I use it regularly when I'm praying for, for us as a church family. Verse 9 of Philippians 1. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent. If you're making better decisions today, the Holy Spirit's answering my prayer. That you may approve things that are excellent. Hallelujah. That's important. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. That is a prayer that was directed by the Holy Spirit. Another one is in Colossians 1, 9 and 10. Colossians 1, 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Hallelujah. This was another prayer that the Holy Spirit had inspired to be prayed for the church at Colossae. So there are things the Holy Spirit will begin to direct us to pray for ourselves, for our family members. As you're praying, you want to be open to recognize that. This morning I shared with you a testimony of a time that one of our children was making decisions that were uh, dangerous for her life and, uh, and how that I had to use the word to get my mind over into a position. But I want to tell you as well that the Holy Spirit directed my husband something specific that we still have in our heart and in our mouth working 
behind the scenes for her life. And the Lord said, I want you to begin to pray and to declare that she is following the plan of God for her life. My head wanted to say what I was seeing. But the Lord was so good to give us what we need to be saying and what we need to be praying. She's following the plan of God for her life. The Lord directed him in that area. The Lord directed him to pray that way. Uh, let's, let's look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And in verses 12 and 13... I want us to recognize the Holy Spirit. He is a teacher. He's a helper. He's, he's a guide to help lead us into truth. He shows us things to come. But one of the greatest things that he is for us is to teach us. And it says here in 1 Corinthians 2.12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit, which is of God. We have received the Spirit, which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. There are some things that we won't know without Him showing them to us. You can't explain righteousness without revelation of it. You can say it, but if a person is not listening with spiritual ears, if a person is carnally, they're going to say, righteous. You think you're righteous? Righteous. Why? Because the natural man doesn't receive the things or doesn't understand or doesn't discern the things of the Spirit of God. So we need him to help us know the things that are freely given to us of God. There is so much God has given all of us that we haven't even touched on yet. There are things in our inheritance we haven't even imagined yet. That's what it said in the previous verse. Eye hasn't seen it. Ear hasn't heard it. It hasn't entered into the natural understanding, the natural heart of man. But God reveals these things to us by His Spirit. Without the revealing of the Holy Spirit, we won't get it. Jesus told His disciples, in three days I'll rise again. I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. They're going to take my life. But in three days I'll rise again. In one place, He told them to meet Him in Galilee. He told them where to meet Him. But they cried all weekend. Y'all know why they cried all weekend? Y'all know why they were so distraught? We, we know they were distraught because the two disciples walking down the way to Emmaus, they, they were beside themselves. Are, they, are you the only one who doesn't know what's been going on here? They killed Jesus. And our lives are over. We followed him. We thought he was going to set up the kingdom. We, they, they crucified him. Jesus said to them, what is all this bantering back and forth? The Weiss translation says, what is this, this conversation that you're having back and forth? This, what is this? It's not faith. It's not revelation. I mean, those women came to the tomb crying, been crying all. You know they had cry face. Y'all ever cried 
really hard and like for the rest of the night your eyes were swollen and your nasal passages were swollen and there was no makeup that could help you look presentable. These women had been all weekend long. All Sabbath crying. And they're there at the tomb and now they're distraught. They've taken the Lord. And the angel said, listen, listen. Don't you remember? Don't you remember what he said to you? And all the angel did was re-preach Jesus' message. <laughs> Repeated what Jesus had said. And all of a sudden, everything about their demeanor changes. No more crying. No more sadness. No, they're not on the way to the tomb anymore. Why would I go to the tomb? I don't need these spices anymore. I'm, I can throw that away. I'm, I'm excited now. I'm glad now. I'm rejoicing now. I'm exuberant now. He's alive. He is risen. Do you see how just that, that change in understanding took them from the deepest sadness they had known in ages to the greatest joy? You know, heaven had been rejoicing the whole time. The angels were probably sitting around, what is the matter with you people? This is the greatest thing ever. This is the greatest thing ever. God has raised Jesus from the dead. God has a way for you now to enter in boldly into the throne room of his grace and receive help. There's a new and a living way in place. What are you crying about? What are you crying about? They didn't see. They didn't know. Even though it had been told them, they didn't know. Even though Jesus said it, they didn't know. And the moment that the revelation of what he said came to them, they changed their direction. They changed their direction. What God reveals to us is spiritual. It is more real. Everything that exists in this physical arena, in this natural arena, came from the spiritual arena. Birthed by the plan and the will of God. He spoke into existence. All things that are created were created by His Word. Hallelujah. And when we will let his word be the light that we live by, we'll see things we can't see in the natural carnal understanding. That's why we've received the spirit of God, so that we can know the things. So that we can know the things. I'll tell you what, the first time I ever said I'll never be broke another day in my life, I was so broke. But revelation came. I saw it in the word. I saw my inheritance. I saw, I saw that I am free from the curse. I saw that lack was under the curse. I saw that I'm in covenant with God Almighty. Hallelujah. So the revelation, what the Holy Spirit reveals to us, is necessary for us to walk in it. We can't walk in it if we can't see it. 
I'm talking about the spiritual seeing, the, reve the revealing of it. So the Spirit is, is helping us know the things that are freely given to us of God. And then verse 13 says, which things also we speak. These things given to us of God, we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but you could say words which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Hallelujah. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. There are things the Holy Spirit teaches so that we will know how to identify them spiritually. So, Kenneth E. Hagin, how many of you are familiar with Brother Hagin? Kenneth E. Hagin, for those of you who may not be familiar with him, uh, a great man who spent his uh, life teaching the Word, being an example of the Word and the Spirit and how to live by faith and follow uh, the direction of the Spirit of God. And one of the things that he shared with us in his book um, about, I, I know it, it is in the book that he taught about the name of Jesus, and I've also seen it in a couple of other stories that he has given, but he was praying for his brother Dub for over 15 years. And in praying for his brother, uh, he had never seen a change in his brother. It was he, it, the whole family. He, the Dub was the black sheep of the family. He was the one that everybody in the family had given up on him, did not expect him to be able to, to turn his life around. But Brother Hagen was praying for Dub. And 15 years he prayed for him. And then one day the Holy Spirit directed him to take authority in Jesus' name. And he directed him a specific way to pray for him, taking authority over what the enemy was doing in Dub's life. And within a month, Dub gave his heart to the Lord. Without the Holy Spirit revealing that to him, he would have kept on praying the only way he knew to pray. Before that time, he was praying like we said earlier, trying to convince God to do something as if God wasn't interested like I'm trying to talk God into saving Dub and God's like I already want to save him but you're not asking me the right thing you're not praying you're not it's not me that's holding it back do you see that he's like you you're you're trying to get me to do something I already want to do that's not necessary you don't have to talk me into this you don't have to convince me I want to save him the problem is the enemy's holding a bondage over his life. And so the Lord directed him, the Holy Spirit directed him to exercise authority, to pray against the enemy, take authority in Jesus' name. And from that moment on, he stood on that and said, no, I've already broken the power of the enemy. And within a month, Dub was saved. But my, my point is the Holy Spirit showed him something about that situation that gave him the advantage. Pastor Steele, when he was a, a 
a young adult, uh, probably 19, uh, running from the Lord. He was living in Dalhart, Texas. He was, uh, his, his parents were in Greenup, Kentucky. They were evangelists on the road traveling. He had been raised in church and um, he had went away from the Lord. And so he's, uh, for, it was probably about a year and a half uh, that he was uh, drinking and singing in bars. He played drums, so he played the drums in the bars in a band and, and just, you know, uh, rebelling. He said that uh, he never could get past the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so he started preaching to all the people in the bar he was drinking with, but but one night he had made somebody mad and this person, um, this person planned a revenge and tricked him into, into saying we're going to go to this party out here. And when he walked in, it was a setup and they were there uh, to beat him up. And so these, these, he was outnumbered and the people had ball bats and they started hitting him with these ball bats. And he said they he had uh, they he he said I got away from him and I took off running through this field but they jumped in their pickup truck and followed me through the field and ran me down and got out and started beating me with those bats and he said I thought I was gonna die they beat him so bad like his ear had come off of his head it was like hanging off of his head and. And so he, he said, I thought I was going to die. I thought there's nothing to stop them. Nobody's going to stop them. They're just going to beat me until I go unconscious or die. And all of a sudden, they just suddenly stopped for no explanation and turned around and walked away. What he didn't know until the next day was that the Lord woke his mother up out of a sound sleep in Greenup, Kentucky, and said, the devil's trying to kill your son. Now that's an extreme example, but I would present to all of us that if we would be more interactive with the Lord, he'll talk to us about things and put us out ahead or, or have us praying to to thwart the plans of the enemy. Hallelujah. 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 Those are other ways that we pray by means of the Spirit. He can give us certain phrases. He can give us certain scriptures to pray. He can give us certain things to pray. Or he can direct us specifically about what's happening in that situation so that we can do something about it. Was God waking her up just to inform her? No. Did God want that to happen? No. But what did he need to stop it? He needed somebody to ask him something. And he needed somebody to ask him something specific. He needed somebody to be, to be uh, his mouthpiece of authority on the earth because God has given authority to man and Jesus came and regained what Adam had lost and established you and I on the earth as the authority of the body of Christ. He said all power in heaven and earth, all authority, all delegated authority right 
to right of jurisdiction has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now you go in my name. You represent my will on the earth because I'm taking my place at the right hand of the Father. You are my body on the earth. I need your voice and your position representing me in the situation. If we would become more um, available, if we would be more available to him, Brother Hagen also told a story about how that he had come off the road for about three days. And he said he started sensing in his heart somebody being thrown from an automobile. And he, he said, I couldn't explain it. And he said, I kind of prayed about it. I, I, would, I just kind of got over there and touched it a little bit in prayer. But I was so busy running all my errands. I had to go to the post office. I had to, the things that he had to do with the bank and with the post office and all of his, his responsibilities in that short little window of time before he had to go back to his next meeting. He said, I did not spend enough time in prayer about it. And, and when I say time, let me explain it this way. If, if, if you come to me and I say, I want to show you. Let's say, for instance, we have some people here from Louisiana. And if they came and I said, I want to show you around Little Rock. And they said, I've got 10 minutes. I can only take you five minutes out and five minutes back. We won't see much, will we? We wouldn't be able to cover very much different. If you only give me 10 minutes, I can only show you what is five minutes out and five minutes back because there's not enough time to go any deeper, not enough time to go any further, not enough time to see any more. And if we only give the Holy Spirit that limited window of time, then that's, he's got to try to fit as much in that window of time to try to get as much across to us, if we will, he knows everything we need to know. Our time with him is more valuable than our time in front of the television. We're going to get more out of our time with him than we're going to get scrolling through social media. We're going to get more out of our time with him. That's why we've got to give him more time. But Brother Hagin said, I didn't give it enough time for him to show me what I needed to see. I didn't stay in that place of prayer long enough. And he said, we got ready to go back out on the road. And this was so long ago, they didn't use seatbelts. He told his wife to put the seatbelt on. They had to dig around to find it. They never even used it, right? Y'all remember we never used to use those seatbelts. She's like, why are you wanting me to wear my seatbelt? And he said... I have a sensation of somebody being thrown from a car. That's all he had, a sensation. In his spirit, wasn't physical, he just had this sensing of someone being thrown from a car. And so he, he kind of touched it, but he didn't deal with it further enough to be able to get clarity. And he says... That week, his niece was thrown from a car and passed away. And he said, I had to repent because God was trying to get me to turn that. 
God was trying to get me to help that situation, to turn that situation, but I did not give enough of my attention to the Holy Spirit to be able to stay with it. So um, there was a missionary by the name of Trotter, Mr. Trotter, Brother Trotter. And uh, he and his wife Blanche were on the mission field. This would have been probably back in uh, uh, the early uh, 1940s, 1940s, probably somewhere around that time. And um, while they were on the mission field, his wife Blanche came down with a virus that was uh, uh, something there in Africa that they did not have any way to treat it. They didn't have any kind of treatment for it, and people were, were dying from it. But her father lived uh, here in the United States, and he got up that morning, and he went in to make the fire in the fireplace and started out to go feed the animals, on the farm, he's headed out to feed the cows, to milk the cows and feed the pigs. And on his way, he stops and drops his buckets, sets them down, goes back in the house and gets on his knees. And his wife comes out. She's about to make breakfast. And she says, what's the matter? And he said, something is wrong with Blanche, our daughter. And so he began to pray. It was 5 o'clock in the morning. And he began to pray, and he continued praying. And 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, the cows are, are mooing. The pigs, the chickens, all the animals, they're making all their, their fuss. They're hungry. They're ready for breakfast. Cows need to be milked. He stays with it. He's still praying. He prayed until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. He prayed until 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and, and the only reason he quit praying, he didn't stop praying because the cows needed to be milked. He didn't stop praying because I got to feed the animals. He didn't stop praying because of any natural reason. He only stopped when he found a note of victory. When victory came here, he let go of it, and he said, we've got it. Whatever it was is better. And they, when they were able to communicate with Brother Trotter and Blanche, they discovered that at the time that he got the note of victory was the time that she came up out of that bed healed. They had, they had prepared for her to die and left her in a cot to die and, said there's, and she was at the point of death. But when the note of victory came in prayer was the exact time that she raised up. Hallelujah. 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 And I think one of the greatest examples for me as a pastor is the, the example of J.R. Goodwin and his wife. They were pastors in Pasadena, Texas. And one evening, Brother Pastor Goodwin was awoken by hearing his wife. He thought at first maybe she was crying. And when he woke up, he realized 
she was interceding, she was praying. She was praying in tongues, she was praying in the spirit, she was, she was interceding. And so he woke up and he said, what's wrong? And she said, I, all I have is that there's something dangerous uh, for one of our church families, for one of our people. And so he said, well, let's pray. We've got a lot of people who are traveling. It was a holiday weekend. And so he said, let's pray for all of the, the family, families that are on the road. And so he began to pray with her. And as he prayed with her and they were going through the different families, praying the protection of God of the people in their church, as he, he joined with her, the prayer, like the, the burden to pray or that sense of danger kind of lifted. And so they went off back to sleep. And a little while later, he was awakened again. And she was again in that urgency to pray. And so he finally said, well, let's get up because I keep falling asleep. And so they went in and they prayed. And, and he, as he joined with her again, they, they felt a little lifting of it. And so they thought, okay, maybe we've got it. Went back to bed. And again, he was awakened to hear her again. That, that desire, that urgency, that sense to pray had come upon her again. And so they finally got up and stayed up till about 5 o'clock in the morning. And they're interceding. Why? Because it hasn't changed. It hasn't lifted off them. They're still sensing this need to pray about the protection for this, this person in their church. And they now hear me. They finally found a, a, a specific thing to pray that gave them peace. They said, Lord, we're going to ask you that whatever it is, will you reveal it to the person? Will you reveal, will you show that person that danger so that they can avoid it? They're, they've been praying all night looking for a place to get over in there and the Holy Spirit gave them that. Let's pray that God will reveal it to them. At that time, their Sunday school superintendent who worked on an oil rig there in Texas, he had a dream. And he said he remembered what time it was because the dream was so real to him that it startled him and woke him up out of his sleep and he got up to go get a glass of milk and when he did, he looked at the clock and it was about 5.15. And in that dream, he had the dream. And he goes on into work and he gets to work and they say, the man who is supposed to work on that piece of machinery called in today, I need you to climb that ladder and go work on that piece of machinery. And he said he took about two steps up the ladder and he came back down and said, I'm not going. And the, the boss said to him, why aren't you going to do that, that job? You know how to do it. You're, you know how to, how to work that piece of machinery. He said, I had a dream this morning. And I had a dream that I climbed this ladder and that wire broke. And when it broke, it cut my head off. I'm not doing that job today. So he refused to do it. And another man standing nearby said, Oh, I'm not superstitious. I'll do it. And he climbed the ladder. And the wire broke. And that man lost his life that day. 
How did God turn that? How did God turn that for the one who, who, who did have that revelation? Who, that, that revelation came because of the praying. God needed, you see, the Spirit led the pastor's wife and the pastor to pray. And then they prayed specifically that God would reveal it. And God revealed it so that he knew, don't climb that ladder and do that work today. Don't do that machinery today. It came by revelation. But that revelation was a result of what the Holy Spirit inspired someone to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our sensitivity is not automatic. It requires that we interact with him. And that we, it requires that we, number one, maintain our peace. Because if our life is full of chaos and confusion and, and all kinds of things constantly going on, that's what Brother Hagin said. I had so many natural things going on that I didn't spend enough time. Hallelujah. So we've got to recognize... The difference between something that's, that is, is coming as, as the Holy Spirit prompting us. Because the leading of the Holy Spirit is most generally not spectacular. And, and many people miss the Holy Spirit because it's a nudging. It's a prompting that he uses. What, the way he leads us, he's a gentleman. He's not rude. He's not going to get up in your face. <laughs> he's not going to force you to pray. That prompting. We need to, we need to spend enough time with him. We need to interact enough with him on a regular basis that we recognize that's the Spirit of God trying to show me something. That's the Holy Spirit revealing something to me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Just lift your hands with me. Say this out of your heart. Father, help me grow in my sensitivity, in my recognition, and in my acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit and how he teaches help me be a better student of what he has to show me in Jesus name thank you Lord he'll help us he'll help us if we'll just if we will just be interested if we will just honor his presence in our in our heart if we will consistently acknowledge him in all of our ways, he will straighten things out. It says, acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways and he will straighten. And the word means, or he will, he will direct your ways. And the word direct means to straighten and unbend. He will straighten it. It might be twisted, but if you'll acknowledge him, he'll straighten it out. Hallelujah. He'll unbend that twisted path. 
Hallelujah. 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 Lord, sensitivity is what we desire. We want to lean on your revelation knowledge. We want to lean on your wisdom. We want to rely on your wisdom more than we rely on the seen and the felt things of life. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe you've got some answers tonight. I believe the Lord has shown us some things that if we will, if we'll dial them in, if we will apply them to our lives, if we'll put them into practice, we'll, we'll be ahead. He'll, he'll keep us out ahead of situations and we can, we can turn things in prayer before they, ever, before they ever get out of control. We can turn things in the spirit and with our authority and with our words and, and with our, our petitions to God before they ever become a difficulty in our life or in our family's life. Hallelujah. We can turn it. We can turn it. When um, my first grandson was born, Griffin, he was born premature. And there were areas of his heart that weren't developed yet. He was very little. He was in the ICU of the children's hospital in the incubator for months. And they were saying that they were going to have to do heart surgery on this little tiny four-pound baby. But the Lord gave us a specific thing to say. He directed us to start calling him Mighty Griffin. And the scripture from the book of Proverbs about uh, although the ants are little, they are mighty. He might be little, but he's mighty. And, and we began to pray about that, and, and about that hole in his heart. And we began to speak to that hole in his heart. And they decided we'll wait until he's one and bring him back in. So when he was one, they took him back in and they said, you know what? We'll wait another year. The whole time, we're telling that hole, be closed in mighty Griffin's heart. Hallelujah. Every year, they'd take him back to the heart doctor, and every year they, they would say, well, it is kind of closing up, but we'll start with still, we won't have to do open heart surgery. We'll probably have to go in through his leg and put a patch on his heart from this direction. Praise the Lord. He's mighty. He's mighty Griffin. And, and his heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. That was the scripture God gave us. His heart is fixed. 
Psalm 112. And so finally, when he turned five years old, they finally quit saying they were going to do it and said, you know what? I think his heart is healing on its own. <laughs> it wasn't on its own. It was by it was the Lord. It didn't just happen. It got turned because the Lord turned it. But he turned it because people were calling him Mighty Griffin and people not just us, we, the whole family started. We, the whole, we nicknamed him and the whole family called him Mighty Griffin. We were saying his heart is fixed. It turned the situation. Hallelujah. God can turn it. God can turn it. If we'll, if we'll go to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There was a family in Birmingham, Alabama. A young couple. They were attending a church of a friend of, of ours. And um, the woman was in the kitchen cooking. She had a, a baby in the carrier on the table. And she was cooking in the kitchen and a grease fire started in her skillet. And, and she was in a, a, a mobile home, a trailer. And so the window, the door was open right here. And so she grabbed the, the skillet that was on the stove that was smoking and, and, and catching on fire and she turns to take it to the door before the house fills with smoke and as she does all of that hot liquid grease fell over into the baby carrier and burned the baby's body from three quarters of the skin of that, per, of that little baby was burned with second and third degree burns. They go into the burn unit of the children's hospital. They, the people from the church begin to come out and, and find out how can we pray. That's why it's important that you have people who are in a relationship with you as church family who can help you take a stand and help you access the supply and the provisions that are available to you in Christ, in prayer. The church family came and began to say, how can we help? And the first thing that they said, well, we've got to get him stable. They can't even do anything about the burns until we get him stable. And so the church family began to pray for his numbers to come up and for the stability of, of the different vital signs. And so as that, as that became stable, they said, what is it that we're going to deal with now? What is it that the doctors are telling you now? Well, the doctors came in and told this young family, this baby is so badly burned that it has burned down deep to the point that there are no skin buds left on the baby's body to reproduce skin. It's like if you were to take a tractor to your front lawn and you were to dig up all of the grass down a couple of inches down into the dirt so there's no grass left to grow grass back it's just dirt the the burns had gone down so deep it had burned down past the point where the skin buds were it had destroyed all of the skin buds they said there's not enough good skin on his body for us to do a skin graft and the skin buds are destroyed he can't reproduce we don't even know how to treat him 
And they took that back to the people of the church who were helping them pray. And they, they said, the doctors say there's no hope because there's not enough skin to do a skin graft and there's no skin buds left to be able to reproduce skin. And the pastor's wife, no, the pastor's mother was a praying woman. And the Lord gave her a scripture. I think it's, let me see. I put it, it was in our, uh, uh, I shared this story in our partner letter this week. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He gave her a scripture to pray. And it wasn't a scripture that she would have expected to pray about that situation. It was something that didn't even apply necessarily from a human standpoint. It, and, I, and when you see the scripture, you'll know what I mean. It's worth the wait. Hold on just a second. Because I was so stunned that God could use this to turn this situation. It's in Job 41. And verse 23, Job 41 and verse 23, the flakes of his flesh are joined together. They are firm in themselves. They cannot be moved. In context, the scripture is talking about Leviathan. But they pulled the power of God's creative word out of this scripture and they began to declare over this baby, the flakes of his flesh are joined together. <laughs> when the pastor's mother saw that, she thought, Lord, can I use this scripture for this baby? And the Holy Spirit said, that's why I gave it to you. And they began to declare the flakes of his flesh are joined together. And that's what they prayed. This is the tool that they took into the prayer time. And the church began to agree in prayer. The flakes of his flesh are joined together. They are firm in themselves. They cannot be moved. There are other translations that talks about the folds of his skin. Hallelujah. The doctors who said this boy will never live a normal life. He has been burned in parts of his body. He will never live a normal life. He'll never be able to get married or, or have children or if he even lives that long. They, they said he's burned. He'll never have a normal life. But as the word began to work, the doctors scratched their head when they came in to tell that family, we can't explain how this is happening, but your child's skin is growing. He's got skin where he should not be able to grow skin. He, there's restoration in parts of his body that we didn't expect to be restored. That child went on to live a normal life, played football in high school, 
graduated from high school, if I'm not mistaken, got married, a normal life. Why? Because God completely restored him. When, when things happen that look impossible, we've got to hold on to the one who makes impossible things possible. We can't look at the situation and be so, so um, convinced that this can't change. It can change if God has to give me a scripture from Job 41 to turn it. The Holy Spirit knows how to turn it. Hallelujah. We need his help. We need his help in prayer. We need his leading in prayer. We need his prompting. We need, we need his directing us to be specific in our praying. Instead of us just going into that situation and grabbing a hold of it with our head knowledge and trying to pray out of the way it seems we ought to pray, let's stop and say, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to deal with that? Which direction should I take in praying about that? Because he knows the right way. And it'll keep us from getting ourselves worn out and frustrated with no effect in prayer. Because we're, we're coming at it from the wrong standing. We're coming at it from the wrong... If we'll go with him, we'll come at it the right way and we'll see progress. This is the confidence. I've got to stop. Look. That was my, my third and final close. I've tried a couple of them. So here we go. Third and final. Stand with me to your feet tonight. Hallelujah. Like the Apostle Paul said, pray for me. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your pastors to have utterances. That they would speak with boldness. The more utterances that come out of the pool. There were some utterances. Y'all, this morning, I didn't intend to say half of what I said. That whole part, the whole beginning part was out of my spirit. Utterances. And I'm going to go back home and listen to it myself. Praise God. Father, I speak blessing over your people. That their lives are directed. Designed and directed by your Holy Spirit. That your protection would be prevalent even by putting them out ahead of the situation and giving them advantage of revelation to know how to pray and to know how to, to thwart every attack the enemy tries to bring against them. We are more than conquerors through you. In Jesus' name. Let's declare the vision of our church. The vision of this church is to build people's faith and to frame their world by the word of God, you and I will always be world changers. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge, can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.